John chapter 5, verse 30, please. If you're a guest this morning, my name is Al Pino. I am the last remaining pastor that hasn't flown to Baltimore for next. I'm so old that next has passed me by. We only send the young guys to next. If you are a guest, what next is, it's a conference for primarily singles and young married couples. And it's a conference designed to equip the future of our churches. You can be very, very sure of this, that the Sovereign Grace group of churches have a wonderful trajectory. Because when I look on the horizon, I see many young leaders being formed. And let me say something to those of you in this auditorium that are under the age of 40. And I would say even under the age of 30. Yeah, Roberto, that's you, right? You're in the right place, and God is going to equip you and use you to reach our city, our wonderful city here in Miami, South Florida, and I believe the Caribbean. And so this morning, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 5, verse 30. As you're turning there, you should have a copy of the notes. If you do not have a copy of the notes, raise your hand, and I've got JP, my man, back here who can give you a copy. Can I encourage you that you grab a copy during the break? Uh, JP and the guys are trying to get to everyone, but it'll help you to understand the message if you have the notes right in front of you. There's another administrative announcement we have for you. As you know, we rent this facility from uh, the school system. They are wonderful to us. But for some crazy reason this morning, the AC is not working very well in here. Okay, I don't, it's not a problem with being too hot because it's not that hot. Here's the problem. The floors in this auditorium, they sweat when the AC is not on. So there might be some slippery floors, I understand, particularly in the back here. So ladies, be careful. If you've got you know, high heels on, whatever. Uh, folks, just be careful as you're walking in these tiled areas. The floor may s- sweat a little bit. Just uh, you know, a word of caution there for you. All right. John chapter 5, verse 30. Let me read God's word to you so exciting to me. You should uh, have it here on the overhead. And let's start with verse 30 of John chapter 5. Jesus is speaking. He has just healed a man who has been paralyzed, probably a paraplegic. Uh, He's been paralyzed for 38 years. Tremendous miracle. People are going crazy over Jesus. And now he's going to speak and give us some discernment. Verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John. And he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He, John, was a burning and shining lamp. And you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. 
And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive the glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the holy, the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Father, come and pour out your spirit upon me to speak. Pour out your spirit upon my friends to listen. And may we both apply your word, and have life. In Jesus' name, amen. I do not watch cable sports programs, but I do enjoy radio sports talk shows. And one of my favorite shows is hosted by Jim Rome in what is called The Jungle. And the purpose of the program is that Mr. Rome solicits the caller's opinion, or as he calls it, their take on life. In fact, the website for the program is haveatake.com. And it's a very popular program because all of us have a take. All of us have an opinion. And quite frankly, we think that our opinion is right. And we're very happy to share our opinion with everyone else. So give me a radio talk show that I can call into and share my opinion. I'm there. That's why today talk radio is booming. From Rush Limbaugh to Sean Hannity to Jim Rome, you name it. Millions of Americans call in every day and espouse their opinion or their take on life, on religion, on politics, and of course, on sports. This message today is about God's take on life. And it's about whether you will receive God's take on life. God's take on life is Jesus Christ. God's take on life is Jesus Christ. He alone defines reality. Jesus alone can interpret reality properly. The question is whether we will come to Jesus, adopt his take on all things, and live, or whether we will refuse Jesus' take and persist on our own views or takes and die. You see, God is appealing to you this morning. God is, imagine him behind me here with his finger pointing at you. Actually, I also imagine him seated on the, right, on the front row looking at me. And I'm wondering, is he smiling and saying, yeah, son, that's what I meant. Or is he going, <laughs> I hope he's smiling and saying, yes, son, that's what I meant. <laughs> so he's looking at me from the front row, but he's looking at you from behind me, and he's pointing his finger at you. And he's saying this morning the following, will you 
come to Jesus and believe his take on life. His take on me, God speaking. His take on you. His take on others. Or will you persist in living according to your take? Now, before I get into the passage, I got to set something up for you. We are wired to reject God's take and to call into the radio talk show and give our take. And we actually think our take is right. Have you ever listened to a radio talk show? I mean, the bogus opinions are astounding. What's even more astounding is that people think they're really right. So part of the fun of listening to radio talk show is making fun of the crazy people that call in with actual opinions that they think they've thought through and to you are obviously bogus and they're arguing for these crazy opinions. And a good talk show host can draw them out and just make fun of them. They don't even know it. And we're laughing. Yeah, yeah, but guess what? That's you. Because everybody else sees that their take is wrong but them. And everybody else sees that your take is wrong but you. Because you are, I am, we're deceived from birth. Now, I know that offends you, but that's what the Bible teaches. I'm giving you some background here. Here's what the Bible teaches, <clears throat> okay? At the beginning of time, our father, Adam, we all have the same father, Anglo, Hispanic, white, black, brown, Asian, whatever. We all have one daddy, Adam, and we all have one mama. That's Eve, okay? And Daddy Adam had a choice to make. Will he live by God's take? Or will he have his own take? Thank you very much. And what did Adam choose? Adam said, you know what, God? Now, he had some help from Satan, the serpent. You know what, God? Your take is fine, but I want to be God. So I want to have my own take. So therefore, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go eat of that one tree you said not to eat from. You know what the name of the tree was? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the moment he ate of that tree, we all ate with him and we fell and it affected our understanding. It's a fancy term in theology. It's the noetic. Gnosis is to understand something. The noetic effect of the fall. The fall, original sin, affected many things. But one of the things it affected is your ability and my ability to have the right take on things. Because Adam says, I don't need your determination of what's right and wrong, God. I'm going to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I'm going to be God. And you know what God had to do at that moment? He had to throw him out of the garden. Because what he said is, the moment you rebel against me, Adam, and you become your own God, and you become your own radio talk show host, and your opinion in your mind becomes the only one that is right, and you become the legend in your own mind that we all are, i got to throw you out, because the next tree you're going to eat from is the tree of the fruit of life, and you're going to live forever. And what God said is, the moment you rebel against me, and you go for your own way and not my way, you die. And you lose the ability to properly interpret life. And you, my friend, live your life according to your interpretation of life. You do what you do based on how you ta- your take on life, what you think is important, what you think is valuable, what you, how you view life. And your take is wrong. It's flawed because of what Adam did. And you die. Your marriage dies. Your parenting dies. Our economy is dying 
because people's take on it was, I'm going to make as much money as I can selling as many bogus mortgages as I can. And I'm going to spend as much money as I can with this credit card until someone says stop. And we did that for years. And guess what's happening, folks? Get ready for death. Death's coming our way. Because you can't escape it. Because God says, you rebel against me, you die. You and I all have little pockets of death in our life. Wherever we choose our take over God's take. And this message wants to address that in you. And what, it wants, what God wants to say is, will you come to Jesus and give up your take and accept my take on life in Christ? For some of you, it'll be in your marriages. For some of you, it'll be in your work. For some of you, it'll be in your relationships. Perhaps you're single, you're not married. For some of you teens, it'll be how you relate to your parents. For some, how you do business. For some, how you view your own self. But I'm here to tell you this. Your view on God, yourself, and others is fundamentally flawed. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for listening to this word. Think about this. Not only do you have an enemy within your own proud, arrogant, opinionated soul, but you've got an enemy without that's giving you bogus information every day. How many thousands of hours of television programs do we watch? And what do they tell us? <laughs> I guarantee you this. Their purpose isn't to tell us what God thinks, okay? How many movies do we watch? So we're bombarded with false takes. Attractive takes. Funny takes. Interesting takes. Takes that sound really cool. But they're flawed. They're flawed. On Sunday morning, you come for one hour and you hear God's take. Monday through Saturday, you have hundreds of hours of your own take and the world's take. Do you see the miracle that you're even here? If I get to bend your ear for a hundred hours about something and then God bends your ear for one, typically who's going to win that one? So I just want, I, can I just tell you, thank you for being here. I love you guys so much. I know some of you are wrestling in your marriages and you're sitting there right now saying, Al, if only you knew. And my solution is going to be dot, 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 dot. And we've, we've been able to talk face to face and say, but that's not what scripture says. Come and hear what the, what the Lord is saying to you. Thank you. Some of you who are guests, you don't know much about us, but God's speaking to you right now. And in faith, I just want to encourage you, this Wednesday night, if you're a couple, go to couples home group and keep hearing God's take. We don't, we don't give it perfectly, but we crack the Bible open and we get together and we say, let's see what it says. I know what you want to do. Let's see what God says to do. And let's together try to do what God says. And I'm looking at people whose marriages are saved because of it. I'm looking at men who rejected a midlife crisis and an affair with another woman. And said, you know what? No matter what I feel like, God says, be faithful to my wife. I'm looking at teens that said, you know what? I'm going to reject what the world says, and I'm going to reject the rebellion. I'm going to obey the Bible. Thank you. I know it's hard. I know it is. But thank you. It's God's take, and it's life. <laughs> and I, I promise you this. 
you will never regret it. There are a lot of things you can do that you regret. You'll never regret that. Okay? So we're starting with that understanding. There's one other scripture I want to throw at you. This is kind of a hard fastball on the inside corner, okay? So I'm going to back you off the plate a little bit, okay? It's Jeremiah 17.9. I think it's going to pop up here in a moment. It's not in your notes, but it should be up there. Yeah, beautiful. Don't you like it when that stuff works? And it says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? This scripture here embodies everything that I think God wants to say to us this morning. Because of the fall, you cannot interpret your own life correctly. You need God's interpretation. So come and listen. Come to Jesus and live. If you persist in your own way, you will die. It'll be a slow death, but it'll be a death. Okay? All right. Let's jump into the scriptures, and let's see God's argument here. God's argument. How does God present to us his appeal to believe Jesus' take? Because Jesus is God's take on life. You want to know what God thinks? Listen to Jesus. You want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. So Jesus is standing up in verse 30, if we can throw verse 30 up there, and he begins what is called a divine trial motif. I just love saying fancy theological things like that. Divine trial motif. Honey, I'll take a divine trial motif with my Chardonnay. You know, it's like, shut up, man. It's a courtroom, all right? It's a courtroom. I I love courtroom. I love courtroom scenes. We've got a divine courtroom scene. What you have here is you have God assembling a bunch of witnesses who are going to testify. They're going to testify of Jesus. Yeah, I'll start preaching like that if you fall asleep. Start testify of Jesus. And you know who's on trial here? You know who's on trial here? Not Jesus. Not God. You, buddy, and Budrina, both of you. (laughs) Budrina is the female of Buddy. You're on trial because at the end of this passage, God is going to say to you, who are you going to believe, your take, the world's take, or Christ's take? And don't look at me and say, oh, I'm going to believe Christ. Okay, well, let's open up your life. How are you living? See, I'll tell you if you're believing Christ's take, if you're living a life that obeys Christ. You can't have both. You can't have Christ on your terms. If you believe Jesus, great. Are you obeying him? If not, you're believing your take. And stop being deceived, which we saw back in that verse in Jeremiah 17. Okay? So the opening courtroom scene, and by the way, movie that's a great movie, language is rough, so don't have your kids watch it unless you have some sort of filter mechanism, but a few good men, when Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson are going at each other in the the courtroom, and and when Jack Nicholson... Gets, gets up on the stand, he's this Marine colonel, and he's being cross-examined by this, this young uh, Navy captain or whatever he is, lieutenant, snotty-nosed lieutenant, and, uh, and, and, and he, uh, hey, sorry, he's not Coast Guard, bro. And what does Jack Nicholson do? He puts his hand on the Bible, raises his other hand, what does he say? He says, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me, God. Verse 30 is Jesus doing the same thing here. Read it with me, verse 30. Jesus speaking, I can do nothing on my own as I hear I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. What Jesus is saying is this, folks, I swear to you that what I say is true versus what the world says or your own mind says, which is false. Believe what I say. Believe what I say. That's what Jesus is saying here. 
Now catch this. Keep that scripture up there. This is, this is where the Bible comes alive. Remember I told you that Adam blew it because Adam did his own thing, right? Do you remember that? Jesus is saying, I come as the second Adam. I can do nothing on my own. Think about it. Every human being thinks he can do everything on his own. Do you have a two-year-old? No, I can. Mine. Do you have a teenager? I can do it. I don't need you, Dad. Do you have a mirror? Look in it, okay? (laughs) Nobody likes to be told what to do. Everybody thinks I can do it. I don't need your help. Thank you very much. Now catch this. Get your seatbelts on. This is God speaking. Dude, dude, get low here, man. Get off your proud high horse and your high opinion of yourself. God comes to earth, and the first thing he says is this, I can do nothing on my own. It makes me want to cry. If anybody could do something on their own, it would be Jesus. But why did he say that? You know why he said that? Because he is fulfilling what our daddy Adam failed to do. When Adam said, I'm going to grab that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and I'll make my own determinations on how I live my life. Thank you very much, God. Rebellion against God, right? That's all of us. Jesus said, I'm going to come as a man. And as a man, I am not going to do anything on my own. As a matter of fact, as a man... As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Think of judgment as a take. Think of Jim Rome in the jungle, haveatake.com. A judgment is, a, is just a take. What's your take on life? What's your judgment on life? We all have bogus judgment, guys. You are not all that. Jesus is all that. Why? Because he's the only one that says, you know what? I don't have a take on my own. My take is God's take. And therefore, since my take is God's take, my take is just. All the rest of us have unjust takes, faulty takes, faulty judgments. Jesus is standing up in court, putting his hand on the Bible. He is the Bible. Putting his hand on himself, okay, and saying, I swear that what I'm saying is true because I come not to do my will, but his will. All the rest of us, we are wanting to do our will, aren't we? Isn't that the origination of all conflict? I'm just not getting my will, thank you. We're all two-year-olds in our heart, throwing little tantrums every time we don't get what we want. Jesus is the only one that says, I'm not here to do my will, but God's. So this opening scripture is powerful. In fact, it's so powerful, I want you to see this. By the way, this is a, a sermon with a long introduction and a very brief sermon. So I know I got several pages of notes. They'll go quickly, okay? I just got to give you one more little background. This here, this scripture here, what I want you to see, I want you to see how scripture interprets scripture. I want you to hear God speaking to you, saying, listen to my wisdom, guys. This fulfills my plan from the beginning of time in Adam to the end of time when Jesus comes back. But I want you to see another scripture. It's in Philippians 2. You can just jot it down because it's going to be shown up here in a moment. Verses 5 to 8. And it says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, 
That doesn't mean he emptied himself of his divinity. It means that he gave up his prerogative. He remained fully God, but became a man, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men like you and me, and being found in human form, in human form like you and me. But it didn't end there. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, and not just obedient, but obedient to the point of death. Listen, you're all here, so none of you have, have become obedient to the point of death. Unless you've been raised from the dead, I'm not aware of it. And not only death, but a humiliating, horrible, God's wrath-absorbing, shameful, naked, excruciating death on a cross so that he could save your opinionated, hell-bound soul. I can just stop right now. Let's just worship for the next hour. So are you going to persist on your take on your marriage, on your parents, on your career, on what your life is worth, on your neighbor, on your singleness, on your business? Or are you going to come to the only one whose take is just and true and right and bow your knee and believe his take? Are you going to, are you going to have the courage to crack open the Bible, guys? I'm talking to you guys. Crack it open. If you're like me, you have to buy some reading glasses because I can't read anymore the Bible you know, font without reading glasses. And sit down with your wife and say, baby, what is God's take? Because the Bible, the Bible is God's take. Jesus is God's take. And John tells us that Jesus is the word incarnate. And now we're into point number one. Aren't you glad? Actually, point number two. Point one is that Jesus can be trusted. Point two in your notes, the Father presents witnesses to testify of Jesus. In John 5.31, the very first witness that God calls forth is himself. So here we are in the courtroom. We're the ones on trial. God steps up as the first witness. Verse 31, if I alone, Jesus says, bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. Verse 32, There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. That another is God the Father, the one who sent him. Skipping down to verse 37a. And the Father who sent me has borne witness of me. God's witness is true. Jesus is God's take. He's the one sent from God. Next witness that God calls to the witness stand, please. John the Baptist. John 5, 33 to 35. You sent to John. He's speaking now to the people listening to him. You sent to John, because John was kind of a superstar back then. I mean, John was, was cool. You know, John was like the guy, okay? He was like the in prophet of the moment. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. And Jesus says very quickly, not that the witness that I receive is from man. I don't need John's witness. But, you know, I say these things so that you can be saved, because you can't see God and you can see John. So listen to John. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. All Jesus is saying is, remember what John said about me? What did John say about Jesus? Don't go there, but in John chapter 1, John said this about Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John said about Jesus, behold, the Son of God. That means God incarnate. Next witness. Next witness that God calls to the witness stand are the very works that God the Father gave to Jesus to do. 
Look at John 5, 36. <clears throat> but the testimony that I have, it's greater than John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, they bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Do you remember the works that God gave Jesus to do? Hasn't it been thrilling to go through the Gospel of John? Now, come on, guys. We're, most of us, well, we're all here in South Florida, and we're influenced by the Latino culture, the Caribbean culture, which means we like to drink wine, right? I mean, wine, good wine, right, Roberto? So the very first sign that Jesus does is what? 180 gallons of water, boop, turned into wine. Imagine lining up 180 gallons and those glass big gallons, you know, Julio, whatever it is, Ernest and Julio Gallo wine, you know, just, just how many, how many would a hundred be? Yeah, party. <laughs> okay, and if that didn't impress you, how about when I threw all the crooks and thieves out of the temple? How about, how about that time when that little boy was dying up in Galilee, about 70 miles north, and the royal official came and said, heal my son, he's dying. And I just said the word and he was healed. Hey, hey, how about all those signs and wonders I did in Jerusalem? Again, don't go there, but in chapter 2, they were so amazing that top-level Jewish officials came to see Jesus. They were so amazing. He was like rock star proportions throughout all of Israel. People were gathering to see him. Okay, how about that guy I just healed two verses ago who's been lying as paralyzed for 38 years? Remember that? Guys, all of these things bear witness of me that I am God's man, that I come to reveal God. And do you want to know what all those signs point to, my friend? Ah, listen to this. Every one of those signs points to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Remember that. Remember that you cannot understand Scripture apart from Jesus. And you cannot understand Scripture apart from the focal point of all history, which is the cross of Christ, and three days later, the resurrection of Christ. All of Scripture is interpreted through Jesus. All of Scripture points to Jesus. That's what he's saying here. And in your notes, that is, see the next witness that is brought, the Scriptures. John chapter 5, verses 37 to 49 say the following. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Do you want to know what God thinks, listen to Jesus. Do you want to know who God is? Look to Jesus. Do you want to properly understand your life? Look to Jesus. Do you want to properly understand Scripture? Look to Jesus. That is what he's saying. Jesus is the incarnate word. Jesus is God's take. Point three in your notes. What is God expecting of us? He's expecting a verdict. Remember this. We're the ones on trial today. Look at verse 40 of John 5. And yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Why do we refuse to come to Jesus? Why? 
Point A under number three, we refuse to come to Jesus because we tend to live for the glory of man rather than the glory of God. That's what John 5, 41 says. I do not receive glory from people. Jumping down to verses 43 and 44. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you receive him. How can you believe? This is crucial, my friends. Some of you are struggling with faith. Here is your problem. How can you believe when you receive the glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? See, God won't give you belief if what you're living for is the glory of others. So let him change your heart to live for his glory. And you know what? Faith will follow. That's biblical discernment. That's biblical discernment. Under that point, we refuse to come to Jesus Second bullet point, because we love ourselves rather than God. Oh, look at John 5, 42. But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Listen to me. We're back to Adam and Eve, okay? What did Adam love? God? Nope. You know what Adam loved? His own opinion of what's right and wrong. When he bit on that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam fell in love with Adam. Listen, we don't have idols today. I'm not aware of any of you having idols. Although in South Florida with Santeria, yeah, you know, if you do, please let me know. Let's get rid of them, okay? Dead chickens thrown into a canal will not get you anything, okay? All right. For those of you who are not Hispanic, I'll explain that later. But you know what our biggest idol is? You know what your biggest idol is? You. It's your inflated opinion of yourself. So what Jesus is saying here is, I know that you do not have the love of God within you. So let me deliver you from you (laughs) and your opinion. And now we're back to the main point of the message. Whose take will you live by? Yours, the world's, or Jesus? See, that's, it's like a verdict right now. And God's, imagine the, the, the anvil, the hammer coming down. Boom. I wish I could name each one of you. I'll name myself. Alpino, please come to the bench. Yes, Your Honor. Alpino, whose take, whose opinion will you believe in your marriage? Yours, the world's, or Christ? Alpino, whose opinion, whose take will you believe in relating to your family? in relating to the church. And God, God's asking you that this morning. How will you live? Are you going to live by what you think you need and how you think you're going to fulfill your needs? And, you know, if it agrees with the Bible, fine. If it doesn't, that's fine. That's okay. I've got Jesus. Jesus is just all right with me. I'm okay with God. We're cool. I'm here to tell you, you're not cool. You're not okay. Hear the anvil coming down. Bam! You've got to answer to God. See, the first thing we all have to do is, I have to know. I have to know what this says. Here's the deal, guys. The gravitational pull of my life is to know very well what I think. Because I hear me all the time. Right? It's like the all-me radio talk show. And I'm the host, the caller, the producer. I have all the ads. It's me. And you've got that same radio program going in your head, don't you? 
And it's bogus. And if you listen to yourself enough, you are going to do some of the stupidest, most harmful things. And you're going to die. And your children will die. Your marriage will die. But Jesus is standing here right now. He's reaching out and he's saying, come to me and live. That's what it says in verse 40. Come to me and live. Come to me and live. And yet we refuse because we love the glory of man, because we love ourselves. Oh, my friend, I appeal to you this morning. Come to Jesus and live. The passage ends with something very peculiar to Jews, but I think there is some application to Gentiles. Remember, he's speaking to a very religious bunch who think they know this Bible, but they fail to believe the one this Bible points to who is Jesus standing right in front of them. Okay? So unless you get self-righteous, you and I have the same problem, even though we're not Jews. So if you could understand this point and apply it to us as Gentiles, it ends with this, verse 45. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. And I remember he's speaking to good Jews who believe Moses. Moses is their man. Moses is my boy, okay? He's my homeboy. Don't mess with Moses. I know Moses. Yeah, well, Jesus is about to uh, let them know they don't know Moses. There is one who accuses you. Moses. What? Yeah, that's right. Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. He did write of Jesus. The whole law points to Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. That's why Edwin could say last week that the Old Testament is about mercy. Because the Old Testament cannot be understood apart from Jesus. Your life can't be understood apart from Jesus. Everything is created with Jesus holding it together. So verse 46, if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But you do not believe his writing. How will you believe? Excuse me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Oh, friends, everything points to Jesus. So who will you believe? Yourself or others or Christ? I've put some things in here for you to consider. Your list may be far larger than this. Who are you going to believe about the priority of God in your life under the application point? Are you passionate for God? I mean, is it okay if your teens just stay out of trouble? Or is God saying, you've got to be passionate? There's no middle ground. Who are you going to believe about the priority of the church in your life? Are you serving the the church, the body of Christ, the way God tells you to in this Bible? Are you doing it the way you think you should? Are you, do you have the courage to crack this thing open and study? And I've given you some scriptures there to study. How about the priority of your marriage, family, children, and life? Listen, there's some of you running around out there right now. Your take is, I'm not fulfilled. I'm going to go out and find somebody else. You know, there's some teens out there, you're thinking, I don't need to obey my parents. I can just hide things from them. Oh, I, listen to me. Your take leads to death. Come to Christ that you might have life. You know, I'm 50. Midlife crisis. What a bunch of junk that is. That's a radio talk show host spouting foolishness. How about let's talk about 
selfishness, Al. Ah, Talk to me some more, Lord. I hate it, but I love it. How about pride, Al? You just think you're way better than you are. You should have conquered more mountains by the time you're 50. What a bunch of junk. Now, Lord, what's your take? Hey, Al, you're serving just fine, son. Keep it up. Thank you, Lord. There's joy in my heart. So I got a choice to make every day. Am I going to believe my take? Am I going to believe what the world tells me when it looks at that little red car that I drive? (laughs) Am I going to believe my own judgment of my life? Or am I going to believe the one person that is capable of judging perfectly and justly and says, you know what, Al? You're a faithful husband. You're a faithful father. You're a faithful pastor. Success. Joy. Tell midlife crisis to take a hike because it is a lie, a slithering, stinking lie that men use to go have illicit affairs and become bums and selfish. Men, let's be men. Let's believe the truth. Get up. Work hard. Stop complaining. Enjoy. Serve. Yeehaw. That's God's take. Ow. (laughs) But you know what? You know what? And the ladies are saying amen. There's life there, isn't there? Isn't there life? There's life. There's a smile on your face. Your children will have a great example. The church will grow. There's death. If you believe your take and go out and find someone else, mortgage all your whole future for a nice fancy car, whatever it is guys do, a boat, jet skis, you fill in the blank. For me, it'd be gator tickets, you know? One of those $150,000 RVs that I drive up to Gainesville every weekend. What a bunch of, what, what, how stupid. Now, for most of you, they say, how stupid. Yeah, but you got something you think's really cool that I'd say, how stupid, okay? We've all got how stupids, okay? My stupid may be more stupid than your stupid. I don't know. But don't we have them? Everybody else can see it but you. And God's saying, come to Christ. Have my take, right? And you know what's good, though? Can I end with this? For some of you who are sitting there going, oh, Al, I've got stories to tell you how I believed my take and my life is a mess. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Look at Romans 8.32. It's in your notes. We're going to end with that. Romans 8.32. Look at it. Now, this is good. It's called redemption, man. We're back to the garden. We blew it. We got kicked out of paradise because we wanted it on our terms. But Jesus lets us back in. Think about that. We don't deserve it, but he lets us back in. Look at Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son. This is the same God, the father who is now has us on trial. He is pronouncing the verdict. Guilty, Pino. Guilty of far too often believing your own take. And look what this same God, the father does for me. He, God, the father who did not spare his own son, Jesus Christ, the perfect one, but gave him up for us all. That's you and me. And when he says gave him up, it means he died on the cross to save you from your sins and the wrath of God you so richly deserve. How will he not also with him? graciously give you all things. You want life? You want paradise? You want it all? Jesus gives it to you all. But you got to accept his take, not yours. And it begins in the smallest little things. What you're thinking about right now. How your boss is treating you. (laughs) How the stock market is treating you. Will you receive him? Let's pray. I'd like to ask you to stay as still as you can. The worship team's going to join me. Let's pray. Let's do business with God, friends. We're in his courtroom right now.
Father, I thank you for my friends who I can look in the face and challenge with your word. Lord, at the same time, I'm looking at that word like a mirror and it's challenging me. Lord, I thank you that you have given your son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us from all the stupid things we've done when we've insisted on living life according to our take, our interpretation, our view. The shipwreck we've made at times of our families, of our friends, even of the church. Lord, you redeem us. You redeem us. Jesus, you came and died on a cross to allow us back into the very paradise that God the Father threw us out of. And we cannot get into that paradise based on our own efforts, our good works. There is no key we can buy to open that door. Jesus, your blood opens the door and gives me hope. And I believe for someone right now, this is the hope of God. It's found in Romans 5. He who did not spare his own son, but gave his son to die for you while you were an enemy of his. Romans 5 says this. Jesus died for you while you were his enemy. How much more? Is he going to live now and give you help that you're his friend? You have life in Jesus if you come to him. Unbeliever, listen to me. You need to receive God's take that without Christ, you are doomed to the wrath of God and an eternity in hell. And you need to run to God and receive his take. Believer, listen to me. That thing you're thinking about right now, Bow your knee and your heart to God's take. And you will find life springing up where there was death. That garden where all of the flowers and all the vegetables have died. It could be the romance between you and your spouse. It could be respect with your children. It could be hope in your heart. It could be your job, the church, whatever. Where there's been death, God says, I bring life. Because Jesus rose from the dead. But you've got to come and receive my take. My take is Christ. Let's stand and sing of him.